In the name of Jesus, amen. The wicked everywhere abound, and would thy little flock confound. That, dear saints, is what Jesus is talking about in the Gospel text today. That we hear every, every year on the eighth Sunday after Trinity, we have this text from the end of the Lord's Sermon on the Mount, and we hear these words straight from Jesus. Beware of false prophets. It is good for us to stop and to consider these words, this command of Jesus. This, after all, is a command. He is giving us, in these words, a good work to do, but one that we don't often think of. In fact, I think if I were to ask you to jot down a little list of, uh, of good works, just think of the top five good works that come to your mind and, and make a little list. I do not think that looking out for false teachers would make the list. Would it for you? I don't think it would for me. But this is exactly what the Lord Jesus is commanding of us. The good work of discernment, of making sure that the teaching that we hear is the same as the teachings in the Scriptures, the teachings of the Holy Spirit, the words of the prophets and the apostles. If you were to ask a sheep, a little lamb, and you happen to find one that could talk and write, if you were to ask this little sheep to, list, to make a list of five good works, I would suspect that the sheep would have on their list looking out for wolves. I don't know, but I suspect that it would be somewhere on the list. This is exactly how the Lord would have us uh, to be, because the sheep realizes that its life is constantly in danger from the wolves, and so we realize, too, that our lives are constantly in danger from false teaching, from error, from false prophets. We want, then, these words to sink in. For the pure teaching of God, which is opposed by the world and hated by the devil, is what we want to hear. We want to beware of false prophets. And this being where, by the way, is not just the job of the pastor. It is not safe to think, oh, pastor will sort it out if something is right or wrong according to the Bible. Because imagine it and may the Lord forbid, but imagine that some false teaching would come here from the pulpit. You, the Lord's dear people, need to know the Scriptures, the teaching, the doctrine, so that each of you can say, yes, that's what the Bible says. Yes, that's what I learned in the Catechism. For all of us, then, the Lord Jesus tells us, to watch out, to beware of false prophets. And he tells us how, and he tells us why. First, how. Jesus says that you will watch out for false teachers because you will know them by their fruits. We are to look at the fruits of the teacher. Now, this seems simple enough. If you're sitting under an apple tree and an apple drops down on your head, then you know that the tree is an apple tree. 
If you're walking down the street and there's a vine coming over the fence and there's grapes hanging from the vine, you know it's a grape vine. But it is not so simple with the false prophets. After all, their business is deception. In fact, when we look at the text that we have before us from the gospel, we notice there's a, that there's, a quite a bit, there's quite a bit of complexity with these words and instructions from Jesus. First of all, the false teachers don't look like false teachers. Jesus describes them this way. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Now think of that. The false prophets don't look like false prophets. They don't wear a name tag that says, false prophet, or some sort of t-shirt that says, I'm a false prophet, or I'm with false prophet, or something like this. They look like Christians. They look harmless. They're dressed like sheep. They look like true teachers. And not only do they, do they look harmless, they don't, they don't act like false teachers. Listen to these words from the end of the Gospel reading where Jesus says this, On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do many mighty wonders in your name? And I will declare to them I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Did you hear what the false preachers did? They prophesied in the name of Jesus. They cast out demons in the name of Jesus. They worked wonders and miracles in the name of Jesus. None of these things seem like what a false prophet would do. But, they don't, but just like they don't look like false prophets, they don't act like false prophets. So here's the trouble. The trouble with sorting out false teachers. They neither look nor act like false teachers. In fact, they look and they act like Christians, maybe great Christians, like teachers of the truth. We are left then only with one thing to judge, and that is their teaching. This is the fruit of a teacher, be they true or false. If a teacher speaks contrary to the Lord's Word, then they are shown by that fruit to be a, a false teacher. If, for example, they preach the gospel to the hard-hearted and to the unrepentant, they show themselves to be false. If they preach the law to the sorrowful and to the repentant, then they show themselves to be false. If they preach works in the place of faith, or in the place of Jesus, then they show themselves to be false. If the teacher does not teach or preach the ferocity of God's wrath, or the incomprehensible height of the Lord's love, which we see in the death of Jesus, then they show themselves to be false. And so on, and so forth. But here's the trouble. If we were to just list all of the false teachings that swirl around us, not only in the church at large, in the world at large, in our nation at large, it would take us weeks. Now we know that all false teaching takes glory from Christ and it takes comfort from us, but the way that the particular false teaching does this is different depending on the different variety of error. So, how do we sort it all out? 
How do we know if a teaching is true or false? This is a common analogy, and it's a good one, and I'm, I'm sure that I've used it before, but uh, maybe not in a while. I understand that in the old days when they were training uh, bank tellers to discern the money, what was true currency and what was false, that they would train them to recognize the true dollar bill so well that when a false one came around, they would know the difference. You see, there were so many different types of counterfeit, so many different methods so many different techniques that if you were to study all the different ways that counterfeit got it wrong, you would never learn at all. And even if you did, the next day someone would come up with something new. But if you were to learn the characteristics of the true currency, the feel of it, the weight of it, the ink of it, the smell of it, the size of it, the, the, the pattern on it, if you knew that so well that when a false dollar came across, you would recognize it immediately. Well, this is how it is for us. We want to learn the truth of the Lord's Scripture, the truth of the Lord's Word, the truth of the, of the prophetic and apostolic books, the truth of Jesus so well that when an error comes across our face or into our ears, that we recognize it instantly as fake and as false. And when we know the truth that well, the teachings of our Lord Jesus that well, then we can go around discerning the truth from error all the time. But this, dear saints, is hard and difficult work. False teaching is patient. It's slow moving. I don't know how many of you have planted an apple seed, but it takes a long time for the seed to sprout. In fact, I've never seen it happen. I don't know how many plants I've tried. I've never seen it happen. But even after it, after it grows and sprouts, it takes years and years for it to have any fruit. And so it is with false teaching. It, it, it's patient. It's slow growing. It takes a long time for it to manifest itself. And so when the Lord Jesus warns us of these things, we have to be patient and constant in our vigilance with the Lord's Word. But, and this is the second point. Why? Why is Jesus so concerned about these things? Why is it? And, and when we scan the Scriptures, we begin to see a pattern emerge. And, and that is that every time the Scriptures command us to beware, it's to beware of false teaching. It's not just Jesus, but Paul and John and Peter and the prophets themselves. Every time we're told to beware, it's to look out for false teaching. But why? Why is it so important? It can be stated simply like this. False teaching is dangerous. In fact, we can go one step further and say false teaching is the most dangerous thing in the world. Jesus, after the words that we heard in the Gospel text, gives the illustration to, to, to drive this point home when he talks about the two, the two houses that are built. One's built on the sand, and the other is built on the rock. Jesus says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. 
And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And, says the Lord, great was its fall. If we build our house, our life, our minds and our hearts and our faith on the shifting sands of false teaching, then the end is prophesied there by Jesus. It fell and great was its fall. And this is why. Jesus has done everything for our salvation. We, after all, could do nothing but wallow dead in our sinfulness and the deserved wrath of God. But here comes Jesus into our sin, into God's wrath, into our death, and He takes our place, covers our sin with His blood, and establishes a way to get that forgiveness, that blood, that salvation, that mercy and kindness, to get it to you. And that way is His Word preached read, meditated on, studied, bound up with water or or with His very body and blood. This is how Jesus gets His love to you, how He gets His, His forgiveness to you, how He gets His mercy and His kindness and His smile to you. And we have to understand that. Because when we understand that the Lord's Word, the teaching, is the way that Jesus gets to you His mercy and kindness, then we understand why the devil at every turn opposes it, tries to choke it out and cut it off and stop you from hearing it. In the ancient world, there was a military tactic called the siege. You'd be in a city and you'd want to conquer it, but it had such huge, massive walls and ramparts and maybe moats with wild dogs or something running around, and you couldn't possibly get in. You couldn't couldn't overtake the city, so you had to do something else. You would draw a circle around this city with soldiers and battlements, and you'd set up the siege works. You'd be far enough away to where you're out of danger, but close enough in to where you could keep an eye on things, and you would simply cut off anything from going into the city and anything from going out. And what happens? Without food, without water, without supplies, with no way to send for help, the people in the city either surrender or they starve to death. I have to tell you that some of the most gruesome pictures of warfare in the ancient world are descriptions of what happens inside a city that's besieged. I mean, people are starving, they're dying all over the place, They're going crazy, and it's terrible. All because life-giving food and water and supplies can't get into the city. Well, this, dear saints, is what the devil does or tries to do with us, with false teaching. The devil tries to cut off from getting to you the life-giving word of forgiveness. The devil is trying every day, not just in the church, but in your own lives and in your own homes, to cut this word off from you. Because if you do not have this word, if you do not have this forgiveness, if you do not have the word of the Lord's kindness, then you, like a city under siege, simply waste away. Do you see it? If the devil can stop the word of the Lord from getting to you, or if he can poison that word with error and falsehood, 
then he can watch you and he can watch your faith wither and die. This is exactly how the devil fights against the truth. He has his siege works set up against the church, trying to choke out the Lord's law and his gospel to stop it from getting to you. And if he can do it, then great is the fall. But, dear saints, in our constancy of looking out for false teachers, there is no cause for fear. For while it is true that the devil fights against us, it is also true that Jesus fights for us, for you. He is our hero and our champion. He is the Lord of hosts who holds the field forever. He, above everything else, loves you and desires to have you with Him in eternal life. And so while it's true that the devil and his hordes are constantly trying to stop the Lord's Word from coming to you, the Lord Jesus takes delight in confounding the devil and in comforting you in forgiving you, in planting the seed of His truth and His word of life, of planting that deep into your ears and in your hearts so that you know without a doubt that your sins are forgiven. And when you know that, all false teachers are taken away. For you have the one teacher of all truth, even our Lord Jesus Christ, to teach you by His blood, by His death, and by His resurrection, and by His words of life that establish you in an everlasting hope that you are His, both now and forever. Amen. Lord, keep us steadfast in Thy Word. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, Guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.